0: welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Inma Narwin, and I use they them pronouns. This week, we're talking about something super important that we've covered in bits and pieces in other episodes, and that is first aid. This episode was used on our other podcast that I host called Strangers in a Tingled Wilderness. On that podcast, we have a voice actor narrate our monthly zine, and I do an interview with the author. This month, we chose to use our zine- Basic First Aid for Emergencies by Riot Medicine, and invited our friend Bex to talk about first aid. Bex is not the author of the zine, but does know a lot about first aid. Um, And since this is a very much a live-like-the-world-is-dying topic, we decided to feature it over here. Uh, Content warning, we talk about blood and bodies. I mean the precious light that fills our bodies. There's no blood in us uh bex has been on live like the world is dying before to talk about treating gunshot wounds and it was one of the first episodes so go back and listen to that one if you haven't already um but first we are a proud member of the channel zero network and here is a jingle from another show on that network Do-do-do-do. real quick We just launched a Kickstarter for Penumbra City, the TTRPG that we've been writing, we being strangers in a tangled wilderness. The Kickstarter launched on June 1st, which might have been yesterday or might have been a long time ago. Watch the game that inspired the short story Confession to a Dead Man come to life. We also have an actual play recording of us playing that game that just came out on this feed right before this episode. So. Give it a listen and check out the Kickstarter at kickstarter.com slash projects slash penumbra hyphen city slash penumbra hyphen city. Find your friends, kill the God King.
1: It's going down, and you're
0: invited for what they're selling. We ain't buying. There is no running, there is no hiding. There's only fighting or dying. It's going down. And you're invited for what they sell it. We ain't buying. There is no running. There is no hiding. There's only fighting
1: or dying. It's Going Down is a digital community center from anarchist, anti-fascist, autonomous, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial movements. Our mission is to provide an autonomous and resilient platform to publicize and promote revolutionary theory and action go to what's going down.org for daily updates check out our online store for ways to donate and rate and follow us on itunes if you like this
0: podcast and we're back um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today um, and for talking Woo! yeah, and for talking to us about this thing that is just so important and uh, something that we will um, a topic that we absolutely can't cover in a single podcast episode but are gonna try to get through the basics of. Um, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your uh, background in first aid? and like responding to emergencies
1: yeah uh my name is bex thanks so much for having me on the podcast stoked to be here um i first got involved with doing first aid or like emergency medical response in 2010 when i took my first street medic training with the rosehip medics out of portland um Previous to that, I, you know, was like a, a youth lifeguard and things like that. But I feel like that's that training in 2010 kind of like kicked me off on a different path. And I've been uh, sort of running as a street medic since then and running medic trainings, street medic trainings for the last 10 years and now work professionally uh, doing wilderness first aid trainings as well. Uh, I'm uh, I am not like an expert medical practitioner, but I am uh, do have a bit of experience and am extremely passionate about uh, education and sharing knowledge and making this skill set accessible to folks who are interested in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I feel like people who like there are a lot of people who are like extreme experts in a field or something, but are like maybe not as excited about like teaching or like education or like finding ways to like, like introduce people to those worlds as much. Um, So,
1: yeah. And especially in the sort of medical industrial complex, I feel like it's a place where people often feel like extremely alienated, both from uh, their own bodies and also from uh, being able to access information about how to take care of themselves or take care of people around them. And I feel like trying to break that down and make that, uh, change like emergency medical response from something that is like highly specialized and professionalized to something that is like available and accessible for everyone is tight
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is a very very cool thing and you know that's part of what this zine is supposed to do it's supposed to kind of break down the barriers to just you know people who have no medical training to have some kind of foothold in uh responding to different emergencies but to kind of back up from that so I, I although uh listeners we are probably not going to like go through this zine page by page in this in this interview because that would one take way more time than we have on this podcast to talk about all the topics and two because it is possibly not the best way to learn about, to like learn about the minutiae of these topics. Um, uh, So we're going to, we're going to focus mostly on talking about like, kind of like what first aid is and why it's important and how you can learn more about it outside of an hour long podcast. But uh, Bex, could you, could you tell us kind of like, what, what is first aid? And like, what it what is kind of the scope of first aid?
1: Yeah, the the like general gist of first aid is it's like the very first care or intervention uh, that someone receives or or gives to themselves uh, when a illness or injury occurs. So this is usually what's happening, like by a lay person, someone who's not a professional, um, and is happening in, you know, like where the injury or illness is happening rather than like in a clinical setting. And this can range from the like everyday first aid that we give ourselves at home, like, oh, I got a cut. I'm going to wash it out uh, in the kitchen sink and put a band aid on it. Or it could also be in a uh, protest scenario, uh, or it could be in a wilderness scenario, or it could be anywhere. Anywhere there are people doing things, there is first aid happening.
0: Cool that- That is that is a very, very great explanation for first aid. And um, for folks who are kind of like less knowledgeable, maybe they're hearing these uh, phrases for the first time. um, What is what is a street medic and what do street medics do?
1: What do street medics do? Yeah. Uh, So a street medic is basically someone who has um, some amount of emergency medical response training. Uh, who goes out in a protest or demonstration uh, r- sort of scene, whether that is a mobilization in the street or whether it's hanging with their affinity group or whether it's at a uh, like a place-based sort of like encampment type protest or anything like that and is res- responding to the types of illnesses and injuries that we might see in those settings, including uh, things like dealing with uh, police munitions chemical weapons potentially gunshot wounds as well as like i the bike brigade hit me and i fell over and now i'm all scraped up or whatever but it's basically doing emergency some emergency medical response in a protest setting
0: Cool, cool and um what kind of what kind of training do street medics usually have or like what like, like yeah can like, can that vary? I'm asking you leading questions. I know the answers to.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, th- there's controversy here, actually. <laughs> um, Beautiful. I would say that like the gold standard for a street medic is to have a 20-hour training. Uh in that 20 hours, you can really cover the depth and breadth of how to do a basic patient assessment system to make sure that you are really understanding the full picture of what's going on with a person that you are supporting um, and you learn different types of interventions, whether that's wound care, uh, eye flushes for chemical weapons, uh, how to tell if someone has a spinal injury, all kinds of things. And you get to practice in a bunch of like fun hands-on scenarios. Um, People do shorter trainings as well. There's like bridge trainings for folks who are already coming from a professional medical background, but want to get involved in uh, sort of street medic stuff and then there are also much shorter trainings like just stop the bleed trainings or things like that when you're just dealing with like major uh hemorrhaging bleeds
0: so to oh and like sometimes you know street street medics obviously have varying levels of training like whether they have like the like the 20-hour training or whether they're coming to it with like you know like i know like nurses who are street medics i know doctors who are street medics i know EMTs, wilderness EMTs, like people with wilderness first responder certifications. Um, so there, there, there's a, or like, like herbalists or like, like clinicians, um, like there's such like a yeah. wide scope to who practices street medicine, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and then there's also this other side of the spectrum where, because street medics for medicine, decades now and protests have been sort of like a visible uh element of many protest scenarios uh it can be it can also be tempting for people to like adopt this as like their identity and they're like this is what i do like i am a street medic and i like stand on the sidewalk where i'm really safe and i don't actually participate in anything and i've like been in situations where you've got like 10 medics, and you've got like 10 legal observers, and you've got, you know, like a a police liaison, and then there's like five people actually like involved in the protest. And I would just really encourage like breaking that down. And I think that you can uh, be supporting people and like providing like emergency response or first aid while also being like a really uh, active, engaged participant in movement spaces and in demonstrations and like approaching that with like uh like some nuance or some uh some caution about like, hey, am I gonna mark myself as a medic? If I'm gonna go do this sketchy thing, maybe not. But like, yeah, I think that finding like these niche ways to or like these kind of like ways to like bring our skills to protest movements is really awesome, but not at the detriment of like also being like really active participants in like all of the things that we're interested in and feel up for engaging in
0: well yeah and maybe we will we'll talk about that a little a little bit more uh later but um uh before we get too heavy into the into the theory um i just want to i just want to go over this Uh, The the scene. Um, So, uh, folks, if you're if you're listening on the Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness podcast or if you're listening on the Live Like the World is Dying podcast, um, we have this zine called Basic First Aid for Emergencies. It was put out by a group called uh, Riot Medicine, and um, it is the first in a series of like like skill series that zines that we're putting out, um, which we are woefully behind on. if you know a cool skill and you would like to write a zine for uh, this series of of skill scenes, then you know get get in touch with us. So this zine uh, was put out by Riot Medicine, and Riot Medicine is an entity that puts out um, essentially medical information uh, for specifically geared at. Uh, people who might go to things that um, you know, some people might classify as riots or like responses to kind of like police violence or um, violence from the you know the alt right or fascists, fascist. I mean, you know, fascists, all of a different name. Um,
1: Indeed. <laughs>
0: and this scene, the scene just it goes through some really kind of baseline stuff like stuff that someone with no medical training might find as helpful tips it talks about uh safe your safety when um like kind of like environmental hazards and it talks about uh like uh, personal protective equipment that you should consider um, it talks about like a layperson's guide to Uh, finding someone's vital signs. It talks about like best practice, like ways to move people who might not be able to move themselves. There is a very brief introduction to uh, compression only CPR. There's a brief guide to wounds um, specifically for uh, severe bleeding and then for minor wounds. Um, There's a section on burns heat illness, um, which we did an entire episode on heat heat illness before. So if you want to learn more about heat illness, go back and listen to Guy on heat illness. Um, Talks about hypothermia, frostbite, talks about clean water, um, and then kind of has a basic construction for what a first aid kit could contain. Um, And that is available for free to read on our website, or you can get it mailed to you. And Riot Medicine also, they, just to kind of go through some of the things that, that Riot Medicine puts out, um, if you go to their website, riotmedicine.net, um, you can find a more comprehensive guide to, to learning about medic stuff. They, they put out a full-length textbook called Riot Medicine. It's, yeah, it is massive. It is 466 pages. It's massive. Um, which includes <laughs> an absolutely obscene amount of information that might, you know, peruse at your leisure. Um, they also put out a, a smaller field guide. Um, this is something that could be like in your medic kit and be kind of like a reference piece. Um, they put out a bridge guide for uh, people coming from other Medical professional backgrounds who want to learn how to apply those backgrounds to engaging in street medic work, and yeah, they put out they put out a ton of really awesome stuff. And yeah, so that that is that is kind of the the basis of the guide. And instead of kind of like digging into depth of like all of these topics, um, would encourage everyone to go out and read about it or to. Get like attend a training of some sort, it's going to be a, a much better way to learn about a lot of these topics. But to kind of switch gears into in talking about backgrounds on the Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness podcast, I always like to ask people, um, kind of like what the story behind their story is, how, how this piece came to be. And that is a little less applicable in this context. But, Bex, how did you get your start in? Learning about responding to medical emergencies of all kinds, like what 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 was your catalyst or origin story, so to speak?
1: My my first aid origin story. Well, okay. First, let me just say the zine is really cool. It's uh, in addition to all the things that Iman described, it also has illustrations for almost everything. And uh, so, if you are into sort of like the visual learning it's got illustrations it's great everyone should check it out it seems really useful uh, keep it in your backpack keep it under your bathroom counter for when you're like what am i supposed to do with this gnarly cut i got um okay but my my villain origin. St- i mean my um first aid origin story uh i <laughs> honestly i'm like a very accident prone person I would say that in general, I've got like pretty low body awareness, and it's uh, not uncommon for me to like get injured in odd situations. So I've spent uh, spent a lot of time taking trips to the urgent care and being like, I think there might be something serious going on. And specifically, there's like one incident that really launched me into wanting to learn more about first aid, which is that I got a pretty bad concussion from a bike accident. And I had no idea that I had a head injury. I had no idea that I should even be considering that I might have a head injury um, until like the next morning when I was like collapsed in the shower and my roommates were like lifting me up by my armpits and like patting me off and like putting me in the car to like head out to uh the urgent care to like see what the fuck was wrong with me. And that experience was just like, was extremely scary and extremely eye-opening to know that like there could be something like seriously wrong going on inside my body, and I did not, I didn't know, I didn't know what to look for, I didn't know uh, what was going on until it sort of like reached a more critical point, and uh, that just made me really want to learn more, and uh, I think that I probably went to the street medic training and also maybe like a. 16-hour wilderness first aid training in like the year or two following that incident.
0: Why why did you go to a street medic training like instead of like first instead of um like a like a like a woofer class or w- woofa class.
1: Yeah, and and woofer stands for wilderness first responder. That's like an 80-hour training usually and wilderness first aid is the woofa that Inman just said, and that's like usually a 16-hour training. There's different orgs that offer those. Um, well, I went to a street medic training because I heard about it. I thought it sounded cool and fun. And because I was looking for a way to plug into some like specific uh like movement spaces or like demonstrations that were coming up that I like was eager to participate in, but wasn't quite sure, like, how to engage in. And this felt like a, I was like, Oh, there's like something I can do, like something I can offer a skill set. And now I feel like my thinking on that has shifted where I'm like, actually, every single person brings something like every person brings a skill set. And that's like being exactly who they are engaging in like, a like a protest space. But at the time, it felt like, Uh, I felt like getting a street medic training was like a really empowering sort of like entry point of like, oh, I've got like this sort of like motivating reason to like show up and feel like I can be like helpful or something.
0: Yeah, 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 it's a great, I feel like, and maybe, maybe this is less true now, but I feel like at like aging myself here. uh, (laughs)
1: <laughs> a while ago
0: um i feel like it was a really good entry point into like getting involved with movements like in the in the same way that like um you know like when i was a teenager like i would go to Food not bombs and that was like a huge entry point into like learning about like different like radical projects um in my area was just going to food not bombs and so I like I feel like street medic training similarly offer like a or a, a very easy low barrier way for people to um like get involved in like protest or like uprising movements um or at least that's how they totally in the past I don't know if that's true anymore
1: yeah and in general I mean I, I think that like we as human beings are like very uh, sort of like motivated towards connection with others and like relationship building and like community building and sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think that like in like radical movements that creating containers, whether it's things like a street medic training or food, not bombs, or like, uh, you know, whatever it is, finding places where people can know that like, oh, I can show up here. People are going to be stoked that I'm there. They're going to like be actively and enthusiastically like sharing their knowledge and skills and like inviting me into this space Uh, feels really fucking good. And we need like more models of that all around us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like that was that was like one of the first ways that I got involved in that kind of stuff was like, I don't know, like, I went, I, like, was at a thing, and, like, I watched the police, like, fuck some people up, and I watched these, like, street medics, like, swoop in, and, like, just, like, instantly have this, like, response of, like, it's, like, I saw someone, Mm -hmm. like, like, I saw someone screaming, because they'd been, like, peppered like, uh, or they'd been maced in the face, and, there was suddenly this group of people who like knew exactly what to do to like help those people yeah. and it was like it like it, it was a very like catalyzing experience for me at least to like see that and then like be like i want to help people like that i want to like know what to do when my friends get hurt <laughs> yeah
1: yeah Totally. And I feel like doing a street medic training and getting involved in that world was a really catalyzing experience for me as well, where previously when I would witness, uh, you know, like police, like brutalizing someone at a protest, I would be overwhelmed with this sense of like helpless rage (laughs) where I'm like, I'm like, you know, you're like watching something terrible happening and there's like, nothing you can do or like it feels like that in that moment and one of the big things that I love about emergency medicine in general whether it's street medicine or wilderness emergency medicine or what have you is this emphasis on like calm like spreading calm and like bringing calm to a situation and like yeah we should all be like fucking mad (laughs) and like energized but we can like find a place of like calm and purpose in our like responses rather than feeling completely overwhelmed by like uh, hopelessness or rage. And I think that in general, like when people have a sense of agency in a situation, whether it's a situation in their own personal life or in a protest scenario or what have you, if you feel like there was something I could do, I could participate in some way. I had some agency here and like how I chose to respond we know that that sense of agency like reduces the sort of like permanent, like traumatic mark that that makes on us and like how we like recover psychologically from like witnessing or experiencing those things has a lot to do with like what we felt we were capable of uh, in our response in that moment. And I think that for me uh, having like a met like this skill set around first aid uh just makes me feel more empowered and like able to act and i think that is like good for my brain
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so like obviously it's it's good for there to be people who know a lot about first aid or a lot about responding to emergencies like people who have extensive training in doing that um but why is it like is like why is it important for like everyone to have A basic understanding of how to respond to emergencies, like, 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 why, like, if if we have this zine, if there's like, you know, if there's just people running around who like have eighty hours of training, like, what is what is like reading a zine about it going to do for me?
1: Yeah, I love this question because (laughs) we like just because someone's running around with eighty hours of training or more or like is a professional doesn't mean that. Other people have to rely on that person. Like we should not be recreating the hierarchies of like the medical industrial complex within our movements or within our communities or within our personal lives. Like the more that we can uh sort of like decentralize information, we're also like decentralizing that power that people feel like they have uh to support themselves, to support the people around them. And like, yeah, it's, freaking awesome to be able to call up someone who's an expert. Like I use like different herbs, I'll take tinctures or use salves, but like, I don't actually know like shit about herbalism. And it's really useful to be able to call up a buddy and be like, Hey, this is what's going on. Like, what would you recommend? But I also want to, like, be able to have my own little apothecary and, like, make my own little stuff that I do feel comfortable with. And I don't want to have to rely on someone else for, like, all of my interactions uh, with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that first, like, sort of, like, general first aid is a similar thing. Like, it's great to have people with more experience around, but, like, we should all know how to, like, clean a wound and recognize signs of infection or, like, when to be worried about a head injury or how to help someone out who's like gotten too hot or too cold or get fucking tear gas off someone's face and mucous membranes
0: yeah yeah um and um there's actually there's a funny thing that i want to that i want to ask you about because i feel like i see it get like it's this is something that is not covered in the basic first aid for emergency zine and something that I see get talked about less, but I feel like is like widely important and applicable to most people's lives. So like, you know, your experience of getting a, having a concussion and not realizing how dangerous it was, um, -hmm. like, I think we can all relate. We've all like, got like most, a lot of us have gotten into a bike accident and been like, like oh I'm fine except I did hit my head like but I was wearing a helmet so I'm probably fine all of but us here have
1: crashed our bikes right <laughs> all of us here crashed,
0: or like you know hit your head on something like or seen had a yeah. friend who hit their head on something and what what is like what what are the important things to keep in mind when someone has hit their head and they are unsure about whether they have a concussion like when is the when does it go from i'm i'm okay to i have to seek like some kind of higher level of care for what's going on
1: yeah totally well like the basic thing that we're worried about with head injuries is swelling to the brain Because there's just not much room inside the skull for the brain to swell at all. And right, like something that gets injured, like if I like twist my ankle, that ankle's going to swell. There's plenty of room for it to do that. There's not room for the brain to swell up without like creating some more serious problems. And so that's like generally what we're worried about. And you can bump your head, you can bump your head pretty dang hard and not get a concussion, like not get a head injury. If you hit your head and you're like, oh yeah, it hurts where I hit my head and maybe I've got a little bit of a headache from that bonk, we're not worried about that. But if you hit your head and you're like, oh, now I feel kind of dizzy and I actually feel kind of nauseous or I can't really remember that like moment of impact or like my vision is affected, maybe I'm like seeing stars a little bit or a little bit of blurriness then you might be looking at sort of a mild head injury and you just want to take that pretty seriously uh you can go get checked out at a at a clinic if you uh, are able to access that resource and then generally you just want to like monitor those symptoms and make sure it's not getting any worse and rest uh with head injuries we need uh, cognitive rest as well as physical rest. So there used to be all this stuff about like, if someone gets a concussion, don't let them sleep, wake them up every, you know, 10 minutes with this like secret passcode they have to remember. And like, we do not do that anymore. Like if someone has a head injury, actually they like really need to rest and like sleep <laughs> is great. And we want to let people sleep. Like, please, Uh
0: I feel like that was the unfortunate plot (laughs) of, like, so many, like, 90s sitcoms was, like, like, kind of torturing someone into, like, staying awake while while they're concussed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But if you're experiencing that stuff and you've had, like, some kind of blow to the head, like, definitely consider going to get checked out. Um, Concussions are complex, They get worse the more times that you've had one, like you become your brain becomes or like you become more and more sensitive to uh, like concussions, even from like a minor head bump. And there are also there's like a long recovery period from a concussion. Like it can be like many, many months of recovery. So it helps to get checked out. And then if it's a serious head injury, you want to like get to uh, like get to a clinical setting, like whether that's the urgent care emergency room or like whatever, like you want to get there right away. If you're having things, if someone has a head injury and they are getting like, they're having like personality changes, like they're becoming really irritable, combative. They're like disoriented. They're having like a really bad headache. They're getting super sleepy or lethargic. If you, if someone has a head injury and then has a seizure, if there's any bleeding from like the nose or eyes or ears or like other fluid coming from the ears, this person needs to get to like a higher level of care as fast as possible,
0: yeah, yeah, and maybe maybe you mentioned it, and maybe you didn't um, but is is vomiting also a strange sign,
1: oh yeah, well, okay, with head injuries, everyone gets like one free vomit. <laughs> And then if there's like more vomiting than that then we would consider that that might be like a serious head injury. I'm not sure exactly of like the physiology there like why there's this vomiting, but there is um yeah, there can be like a lot of vomiting or even like projectile vomiting from uh from a serious head injury
0: thing. Um yeah, listeners, you might be noticing that I'm asking Bex a lot of like kind of leading questions. Um this is This is partially because um I have a fair amount of medical training as well, and all of which is like horribly lapsed. <laughs> like I kind of got out of practicing like as like a a person who does like medical stuff, except like casually to myself and my friends a while ago. Um, but
1: we're we're both lapsed wilderness EMTs, it turns out,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool well yeah thank you thank you so much for for that little explanation. I feel like it is a you know obviously if if anyone is worried about someone something, then they should you know go to urgent care or go to the emergency room um but I feel like there is yeah. a lot of like in between things where we're like I don't know, and like going to the e r the urgent care casually is like not a not something that people can like always afford to do. Um,
1: so, yeah. But we do want to be like like I would urge people to be very cautious with head injuries. One thing that we've learned from the great, uh, sp- the great sport of American football is that head injuries are like very serious and do get like worse and like repeated. Uh, head injuries, like if your brain is just getting like pummeled all the time, that can add up to like really serious, like cognitive, emotional, and like even like personality impacts. And it's just like not, it's not good. It's not good to hurt your brain. So being like really careful, making sure that someone is getting rest, getting checked out if they're having these symptoms. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, again, listeners, like, you know, we are, this is not medical advice. This is,
1: (laughs) this is not a medical training.
0: (laughs) this This is not a medical training. Um, but we are trying to kind of cover some, cover some basics for people to think about, but highly suggest if you want to learn more about these things to go out and attend, like, um, uh, more like extensive trainings on yeah how to assess these things. So, mm-hmm. Bex, Inman, you have you have been involved in this world for quite a while now, right? Like uh, the world of first aid, responding to emergencies. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to kind of talk about like just like kind of like experiences or like stories that you might have of um like responding to emergencies providing first aid in like various contexts like yeah i don't know do you do you have any kind of like notably (laughs) interesting things this is a leading question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean i feel like like running around as a street medic you see all kinds of things you know a lot of like Blushing chemical weapons out of people's eyes definitely have uh, supported people with like head injuries sometimes from uh, like police munitions and working with people who are like oh I'm bleeding from the scalp but I don't want to go to the hospital and then you're just like okay well how about like your friends like your friends that are with you like here's this list of things to watch out for like here's how we're going to take care of this person or I feel like like notable moments for me have often been like when I can like empower people to like look after themselves or like look after the people that they're with and I can like do what I can to support someone but I'm not like therefore positioning myself as like and now I'm the expert and I've like taken you over and I'm gonna like tell you what you have to do now or whatever but Mm -hmm. um definitely like one really eye-opening moment for me and I talked about this more in the Uh, The live like the world is dying gunshot wound episode is was like responding to uh, someone with a gunshot wound at a protest, which at the time, I think it was like 2016 or something. At the time, I was like, that was not what I was expecting to see at a protest. And it really uh, threw me. I like didn't really feel prepared to deal with that uh, sort of like extreme of an of an injury and since then, now I feel like the like gun violence in a protest setting is super common. Um, and I, there have been many demonstrations or actions that I've been at where people have gotten shot. And it's like a really, it's a really scary thing to witness. And it's also scary the way that it has become such a sort of like predictable part of, of like the landscape of kind of like radical movements and demonstrations. And uh, one thing that I remember was like being at a demo and seeing, seeing someone get shot. And then, you know, I'm there like trying to pull out my uh, like pull out my like trauma response stuff from my like medic fanny pack. And before I even can like get those things out, there's like a bunch of street medics who are like supporting this person. And um I'm like, hey, I think I like, it's possible that I'm like recognizing some of those people from like a medic training that I helped run a couple of months ago. And that moment, like even in that moment, that was like extremely scary and traumatizing being like, oh, like the transferring of like information and the like sharing and like broadening of like this knowledge base is like very much, uh, like changing like the outcomes that people are having in like really bad situations because there's all these people who know how to respond. And especially I think like in 2020 like everyone started like running around with like a tourniquet strapped on their belt, you know, because we're just like seeing so much gun violence in those spaces in a new way and I think like that that is great and that like if nothing else like knowing how to respond to like really major life threatening things is and having like the tools to be able to do so is awesome.
0: Yeah. 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 It is really amazing to see that. Um, it's funny. I have like kind of a, a like personal story of, um, yeah, of where I was incredibly relieved that there were so many people who had like training around, which is, I know it, it was, it's, it's a vulnerable story in that like, I don't love how I responded, but like it was a good learning experience for me of like, Mm -hmm. Um, I'd been doing like street medic stuff for like a long time. And I'd been doing, um, like I was a wilderness EMT at this point and I, but you know, I'd never worked as an EMT before and I was at a thing and I watched someone get run over by a car
1: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm
0: spoiler spoiler alert is that this person was like fucking miraculously fine like literally nothing was wrong with this person like which was incredible but at the time like i was the closest person and i like i froze and because i'd never Mm -hmm. witnessed something like that before and that's not what i was expecting to Mm -hmm. have to deal with and like But, you know, I went over and I started to try to assess what was going on. And then like three other people swooped in and Mm -hmm. all of whom had a lot more experience than I did, to which I was so grateful because I was like, hell yeah, there is a more qualified person here to bottom line this situation. I'm just going to like help with like creating a perimeter around this person so that we can like make sure that they're Okay.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that sounds extremely intense. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that you were there. I'm glad that those other folks were there. And yeah, like I, I guess like in like as a street medic or like I'm not into like, yeah, I hope I get to go out and, like, see something gnarly so I get to, like, respond to it, like, so I can, like, have some experience, like, some personal experience of, like, getting to, like, do something, like, that is not what I am in it for, or, like, a mentality no. that I am, like, at all interested uh in engaging with, but, like, in that situation, like, if those other people hadn't shown up, like, yeah, you were overwhelmed, maybe scared, this, like, wasn't what you were expecting to see, but you, like, Had your assessment tools and you like had those skills, and if no one else had been there, like you would have been a great person to like have responding to that situation, even though like you had that sense of relief of like, thank God there's someone else here or whatever. And I feel like moving from a place of like, I just saw something happen to somebody or something happened to me, and I have no idea what to do, like don't even know where to begin, or being like, like moving from that place to like, Damn, this absolutely sucks and I wish it wasn't happening, but like, I guess I can figure out how to deal with it. Like, that is actually like a really big difference. And I, I like want to support people in like moving in that direction, you know, even if it sucks <laughs> to have to like see shit like that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to a, if I'm going somewhere where I expect there to be like a higher probability of like someone being injured, whether that's to a demonstration or whether that's to, A youth hardcore show where people really like to like throw elbows then i hope that i'm not going to see anyone get injured like if i'm some providing medical care like either as like i am here to provide medical care or as like someone who's just up there and like has a little like first aid kit and because that is a smart thing for everyone to have then like then I'm I hope that I never have to use it I hope that no one gets injured that would be a better day for everyone but yeah it is like part of the like ritual of being prepared that we like learn how to deal with these situations even in small ways um which brings me to my next question for you um What are, what are, if you had to give like a short little blurb to people about like, if people want to learn more about first aid in like a small way, say they've read this zine, like, what is, what is the next step for people? And what, what situation should people like focus on whether they're like at a demonstration or it's just like another piece of like a, like saying normal doesn't feel like the right phrase, but like in part of their (laughs) normal life, you
1: know? yeah their everyday life um there's a lot of different types of trainings that folks can seek out starting with uh like CPR a CPR training is a great place to start um and now you can do you can even like get CPR trained online and just like watch watch a bunch of videos uh it's better to do like hands on practice i think that's where we really like can start building like muscle memory around these skills but there's like CPR training Uh, places like the Red Cross offer like a basic first aid training. Um, And then there's also these like street medic trainings. So if you have like a street medic uh, group, like or collective, like in your area, like seek out a 20 hour street medic training, or there are different organizations that offer wilderness first aid trainings that are Uh, You know, definitely have some overlap with the street medic training in that you both of these things are like you're in an environment where you can't just call 911 and expect that an ambulance is going to be able to like roll up in the next five minutes, either because you're like in the backcountry or you're like behind a police line or what have you. And then there's bigger trainings on the wilderness side that you can pursue like a wilderness first responder wilderness EMT, a lot of uh, counties, especially like rural counties that are having trouble staffing up their EMS. um, I know some folks who have been able to get an EMT training, like a three month EMT training, totally paid for by their county if they agree to like volunteer with the fire department for a year or something like that. So that's another way to get like a lot of training for free if you are willing to (laughs) interface with the like often shitty hierarchical structures uh that put you in the role of being like the sort of like dehumanizing disembodied medic but you can like bring to that you know you can try to like bring a better like um approach to that situation but yeah all kinds of things like that and to go back to your point of like uh, like being prepared for things every day and not just like when I'm like going out to a demo, but kind of like, yeah, what we do on the daily to like prepare for different situations. I'll say that I keep a, like a tourniquet and a trauma response kit, uh, in my car at all times, just like in a fanny pack, strapped to the back of the headrest, uh, in case I come across like a car accident while I'm just like cruising around. Or if, you know, like in today's fucking modern society, like uh, you're like just as likely it feels like to respond to like gunshots when you're like at like passing by a shopping mall or like outside a fucking school or something like this because there's like there's just so many shoot there's so much gun violence there's so many like mass shooting situations um, that I think that like a stop the bleed training. Uh, that different, like, organizations offer, um, even, like, that on its own, is something that might be useful for folks. Yeah. And hopefully they'll never have to use, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that is that is what we hope. Yeah, I feel like, personally, if I had to recommend, like, two lower barrier things that everyone should go out and do, it is, like, a... like learning about cpr and uh Mm -hmm. a stop the bleed training because these are like two pretty like easy to access trainings that can make huge differences in like whether somebody survives a an injury yeah absolutely
1: i'll also say that like i've feel like i've like talked a fair amount of smack at as is appropriate on like the medical industrial complex and like the shitty hierarchies within sort of like clinical uh emergency medicine or like hospital settings uh those are these like really like dehumanizing disembodied environments uh that really take away patient agency in a lot of cases but within those systems there are a lot of like really like deeply radical badass like incredible people working within those systems. And if you are interested in like getting involved uh, with like a medical practice professionally, or if you are already in that world, you're a a med tech or a nurse or a doctor or a, you know, whatever, um, paramedic, and you want to find other radical people who are interested in like approaching that work together. uh, There are People who are doing that, there's actually, by the time this airs, it probably will have already happened, but there's a really cool convergence happening on the East Coast. Uh, this month in May, that's the health autonomy convergence. That's for people with, who are working within the medical system but are coming at it from a anarchist, anti-authoritarian, abolitionist perspective. And finding networks like that, like ways to decentralize our knowledge and skills and like connect with other like radical folks who are interested in this is just so exciting to me. <laughs> it's very cool,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to say that like a real good reason for everyone to learn about first aid and for everyone to learn these basics is that one as we're seeing things change in like how like police violence or like violence from like other sources of fascism occurs, like like we can't, we can't even rely on their, like these kind of like networks as much for like every situation. And like, it is helpful for everyone to have some understanding of what to do in an emergency. One, because it like takes pressure off of those other uh, groups. And also because like, it means that like, you know, the best resource that we have are people. And so like another person to know how to do this thing or to like not need like as much like care from someone is a great thing. Like we, yeah, we should all be, we should all be learning basics of these skills because it makes everyone's lives easier.
1: Yeah. And supporting each other in it. Like if you like the number one tool that a street medic has in their kit is a buddy. You always go with a buddy. You don't go alone because it's easier to keep a cool head and have like good decision making and stay sort of like oriented and situationally aware and like know what's happening. If you are running with another person and you both have like, even if you have different levels of experience or training, like you've got another person there to help navigate that situation with and we can like we can offer one another like so much strength and resilience just by like being present and like tuned into the same stuff together um, <laughs> one time my <laughs> my like medic buddy that i would always run with was like out of town and there was like something happening in the city where i lived and i was like i'll just go by myself it's like no big deal like i don't need a buddy i'm sure it'll be fine and that was like such a huge mistake. It ended up being like a fairly like traumatizing experience for me, where I was like, "Oh, wait, actually, like being in this alone and being like, I'm trying to, like respond and be prepared. And like, I don't have someone with me who's like going through that with me and like tuning into this with me was uh, i wouldn't I wouldn't do it again, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so find a pal, find a pal who's interested in first aid and fucking skill up together. It's like extremely fun. And you can practice your patient assessment on each other. It's great. Yeah, yeah.
0: Learning is fun. Um, And, you know, the more that we learn these skills now, the less uh, overwhelming they will be if we are ever faced with an emergency that we have to deal with. Like, yeah, learn it now. So it's less stressful in the moment.
1: Yeah. And like learn, like learn from sources that are reliable, like the materials that Riot Medicine has available, uh, like this zine is super tight. I haven't looked through all of their other uh, materials like in depth, but it's like very legit or like going to a street medic training or another training so that you know that like your skills that you're building are coming from like some sort of reputable source and you don't end up as like the wacky chaos medic that everyone dreads. Who's like running around in like head to toe camo with like gallons of milk, like swinging from their belt. And, you know, like, don't, don't be the chaos medic, like learn some real skills that are like based in uh, that are like scientifically based and like vetted and bring, bring calm to the situation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Take calm. Take your chaos elsewhere. Your chaos has a place and it is not in medicing <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um speaking of calm, so real quick, we have this last little segment. Since this is the Strangers podcast, even if you're hearing it on the Live Like the World Is Dying feed, um, we have a quick word of the month where this is a word that I learn a little bit about the origins of and then ask people if they know anything about it. Um and I've maybe given you a clue, um, but Bex, do you know anything? Do you know? Do you know the word an enemy?
1: Like a sea an enemy?
0: Yeah, like a sea an enemy. Um, uh, but there are other kinds of anemones as well. Um, like,
1: like the sea an enemy of my anemone is my friend enemy.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely the origin. You just you just guessed okay. it. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs>
0: Um, do you have, have any guesses as to like what the word anemone means or where where it comes from?
1: Anemone, anemone. Uh no, I do not know, but it really sounds like enemy.
0: It does. It does. Um, so an enemy. So there's there's see enemy, but then there's also like a there's a plant that's called an mm. Um and uh interestingly this this plant is used to um it's used for a lot of different things medicinally and uh but how I'm familiar with it is that like um it was someone recommended it to me for like panic attacks um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in very low doses uh very very low doses this is a
1: consult an herbalist yeah, before you begin herbalist. taking this. <laughs> um, <laughs> this
0: this is a this can be a dangerous plant so flowering plant anemone comes uh directly from Latin anemone, um, and then from the Greek anemone, which comes from uh two little two little pieces. There's anemos and a you know feminine suffix su- suffix. Um so anemos means wind, and so anemone literally means wind windflower or daughter of the wind and some people think that or like you know one one attribution to that name is uh, anemone blooms only during a storm and Mm. it's like it's interestingly it's it's petals are attached to seed pods and so when the wind blows the flower opens and it rips it apart and the petals are like each attached to a little seed pod, so that is like the flower is like destroyed and um, propagates by uh, getting caught in the wind. But interestingly, and this is this is where I think it gets really fun and interesting is um, there's a cognate in Latin anima, um, or shortened to ane, which means to breathe, and enemy, as we just learned is a plant that you can take when having a panic attack to help you breathe.
1: Dang that yeah. is that is very cool and that's like a very beautiful image of like uh that like description of the flower being like ripped apart in a storm but like that propagating and I feel like that really resonates with me in terms of like the things that we face that like feel like this like huge destructive force thinking, whether that's like uh, things happening like emotionally or psychologically, or also like the literal violence that people like witness and experience. And like, how can you like harness that like violence or destruction and like see where there are like seeds of beautiful things that will like be planted or like can grow from that. Even if, like, the destruction itself is like the loss of something beautiful, it doesn't mean it's the end of like beautiful things coming.
0: Yeah. And like first aid, we can bloom and show and spread, unfortunately, sometimes through turbulent times. And this ended up being a very appropriate word that I kind of picked <laughs> at random uh, to it's be perfect. part of this episode. <laughs> Um, so I know you have to run, but real quick, is there anywhere, uh, on the internet that people can find you that you would like to be found? And the answer can be no.
1: No, there's nowhere to find me on the internet, but you should check out Riot Medicine, which I legitimately am like definitely not a part of or have anything to do with, but it is very cool. And oh, one other thing I'll just quickly say here for folks who have listened to a gunshot wound episode of Live Like the World is Dying, I would like to make a little amendment. When I recorded that episode, I had some outdated information about tourniquets. And in that episode, I described tourniquets as really a tool of last resort. Uh, And what we actually know is that tourniquets are a really safe intervention to use Uh, You can, if applied correctly, and if it is a sort of like legitimate tourniquet, like the CAT-7, the combat application tourniquet, these can safely be left on for a really long time. There have been uh, recorded incidents from our like long history of uh, like global capitalist imperialist warfare. We've learned a lot about combat medicine And there have been incidences of like a tourniquet staying on for up to 48 hours without that limb being compromised. Do not be afraid to use a tourniquet. Check out that episode if you want more information about specifically Stop the Bleed stuff. But just take this little amendment to the tourniquet section.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Bex, for coming on the podcast. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. Stay well. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go take a first aid training and then tell us about it. But also tell people about the podcast. You can support this podcast by telling people about it. You can support this podcast by talking about it on social media, rating and reviewing and doing whatever the algorithm calls for. Feed it like a hungry god. But if you would like to support us in other sillier ways that don't involve feeding a nameless entity then you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangers in a tangled wilderness. Our Patreon helps pay for things like transcriptions or our lovely audio editor bursts, as well as going to support our publisher, strangers in a tangled wilderness. Strangers in a tangled wilderness is the publisher of this podcast and a few other podcasts, including uh, our monthly feature podcast of anarchistic literature, Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness, which comes out monthly, as well as the Inner Geek Power Hour, which is a great podcast for people who love movies and hate cops. And just to give you an idea of some other stuff that Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness is up to, um, we are also getting ready to put out a new book, To the Ghosts Who Are Still Living by Ami Weintraub. The stories of our ancestors call to us from across time, asking to be remembered. In retelling our ancestors' experiences of love, tradition, loss, and sorrow, we not only honor their lives, but we come to understand our own. The trees whisper to the ones who will listen. Come home. To the ghosts who are still living is a collection of essays by Ami Weintraub, coming out August 2023 through Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness. The pre-order starts July 1st. And we would like to shout out a few of our patrons in particular thank you princess miranda ben ben anonymous funder hans oxalis janison odell page ali paparuna milica boise mutual aid theo hunter sean sj page mickey nicole david dana chelsea cat j staro jennifer eleanor kirk sam chris makaya and haas the dog we seriously couldn't do this without y'all And I hope everyone out there is doing as well as they can with everything that's happening. And we'll talk to you soon.